Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. I want you to think about how often you say the words, I'm sorry. I am betting it is way more often than you think that you actually say those words. It is kind of a go-to phrase for people these days. Even if it's not your fault, if someone runs into you at the grocery store, you might turn around and say, I'm sorry, when really that's, it wasn't your fault. Or when someone gives you a compliment, you find yourself apologizing for how it just wasn't quite good enough. I know I am guilty of that when it comes to cooking, but that's because I always have really high hopes about what I've created and it always lets me down just a little bit. But we're talking about so much more than just that. Now, in all of our lives, we do have those times where we truly do need to be sorry and take accountability and apologize. But in most cases, 
we as women tend to apologize too much, too often, too needlessly. And my guest today is going to share with you how to know the difference. When do you really need to apologize? And if you don't, how to stop doing that. And it's going to go a lot deeper than just stopping the words, I'm sorry. My guest today is Jody Moore. She is an amazing life coach and the host of Better Than Happy. I am sure you have heard of her. I was so thrilled when she agreed to be on the show. I'm going to have Jody introduce herself a little bit more, but just know in my show notes, I have linked to everything Jody for you, and you can find those on my website, aboutprogress.com. Without further ado, let's hear my conversation with Jody about how to stop apologizing. Thank you so much for being here, Jody. Oh, thank you for having me, Monica. I like to have my guests introduce themselves, so how about you tell my listeners a little more about you? Okay, sounds good. Well, like you said, my name is Jody Moore. I um, have a podcast called Better Than Happy. That's how most people probably know me. Um, but I am a certified life coach. So in addition to the podcast, I have a coaching program where I work with individuals. Most of them are women um, who just want to up-level themselves in some way. Um, I live with my husband and my four young kiddos in Spokane, Washington, and I just feel so blessed to get to do the work that I do. Well, and you're making a very, very big difference. Let's talk about what our topic is before we dive in. We want to talk about women who can't stop apologizing, whether this is to others or to themselves, and we'll kind of dive into what that can look like on both sides of that. But we want to help these women stop apologizing. And we're not talking about where real apologies need to be made. This is something that apologies do not need to exist. So how about you tell us, what does it look like when a woman is apologizing needlessly all the time? Yeah, well, like you said, Monica, I mean, there is there is an appropriate time to apologize, right? And I think we all recognize that. But what, what you're referring to, I think is such a powerful thing to just open up a discussion about here, is the ongoing um, apologizing for our inadequacies or apologizing for when we think that we've inconvenienced somebody or just those ongoing, it's it's almost like it's an apology for um not being good enough or even sometimes I feel like women are apologizing for just taking up space yeah oh my goodness yeah you're apologizing for just existing it's almost like um we feel like we're taking up space or annoying people in some way it's like apologizing for our inadequacies apologizing for even um having needs if you will right so I just recently coached um, one of my clients and she didn't describe it as apologizing, but what she said was that she wants to make sure she never inconveniences people. And so even if she wants to invite like a family over for dinner, she finds herself trying to make it really easy for them to say no. It's this idea that we shouldn't have needs or desires or make requests of people, or we certainly shouldn't make mistakes, right? Yeah. And then the constant apologizing that follows. And yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing to be discussing. I'm glad that you, you know, that you brought it up. 
Yeah, I'm curious if this is more of a learned behavior, if this is something people start doing at a young age, is it modeled to them, is it taught to them? And your experience as a coach, what do you think typically is the case? Well, I do think for many people it becomes habitual. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I coach individuals is we take a look at what you're describing would be the action line of what I call the action line of their model. So you're talking about the way they talk, the words that they say, right? Mm-hmm. And what I teach is that our actions are always driven by our feelings and our feelings are created by our thinking. So those three things in combination do become memorized habits. So mm-hmm. if you take, for example, the action of brushing or brushing your teeth, that's a memorized action that hopefully we all have at this point that we're trying to get our kids to adopt, right? And it's driven by a feeling and it's driven and that feeling is created by a thought. So um, there are many memorized behaviors that actually help us really function high or more highly, excuse me, as human beings, they help us get more done. They help us not have to use the prefrontal cortex part of the brain. And so I do think that it could be um, a pattern that's been learned, right? That's driven by a feeling and created by a thought. What I find to be really interesting is to explore what is the thought feeling combo that's driving that action. Oh, okay. Yeah. That seems like that's way more helpful than just trying to work on the words and actions and yes. longer lasting too. So, so what could be, could be the thought that is driving the feeling, what those feelings can yeah. actually be looking like? That's the interesting thing, right? And a, a lot of times my clients will want me to just tell them what to say. What should I mm-hmm. say instead? Or how do I stop saying that? How do I get myself out of the habit of saying that, right? And so to your point, it is much more effective. And what I tell them is I could tell you what I would say, but you're not me and our personalities mm-hmm. may not be anything alike. And so I'd much rather you find your own authentic wording or, or what you how you would show up, if you will. Yeah. I mean, let's just use the example of making a mistake because uh, let's just share for a minute, if we can, with all of our listener, all of your listeners here that last week we were supposed to do this interview and I completely forgot about it. Right. And so of course I want to apologize for that, but to a certain extent. Yeah, totally. Right. Like an apology is, I think totally appropriate in that situation, but it's the going on and on about it. And it's the shame over the mistake and all of that. Mm -hmm. So my thought is, and you can tell me what you think, because I don't know, but in my experience working with individuals, I think that there is this driving question in all of our minds of, mm-hmm. am I okay? Am I enough? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. kind of like what Brene Brown teaches about shame. Shame is um, a belief that there's something wrong with us. And she says that the only people who don't feel shame are sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there must actually, be a purpose. It's perfectly healthy and normal mm-hmm. to have that question. And I'm not sure the reason why, you know, I'm religious. So I think maybe Heavenly Father wanted us to figure out in this lifetime our worth. I don't know the reason, but we do know that it's very normal, healthy human behavior. But mm. that also, I think it's part of our journey here is to learn to manage that and to temper it and to answer that question, am I enough with, yes, I am, even with my mess, even with all my mistakes. And I know that's really the work you're doing here on this podcast, right? Is that perfectionism is not the goal. 
Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, I told you this, but you forgetting that, that we were going to be talking is what freed me of so many of, of my, my bad emotions coming into this and my worry, my fear about it was like, okay, cool. Now we can just be two people who forget things and sit down and chat. And I love that you brought that up. It's one of the things that I, I talk about when I go speak places a lot of times is that, you know, we think that we need to show up perfectly and not make any mistakes and look the perfect way and have the perfect houses and the perfect children and all that. And our thought is that if we do all those things, then people will like us better. Mm -hmm. And so what I like to do is go speak and then I'll tell like an embarrassing story of some sort. And then, you know, everybody laughs and I'm like, now be honest, you like me a little bit more now, don't you? It's just exactly what you're describing, right? Where you're like, oh, I feel so much more comfortable. So it's interesting how we think a part of us believes perfection is the way to get people to like us when the truth is what we're attracted to in other people is authenticity. When like you feel more comfortable with me now because you know I'm a real person who makes mistakes and therefore it's safe for you to be a real person who makes mistakes. And that's what we're actually craving and that's what we feel more connected to is authenticity much more so than perfection. Yeah, there's a true lesson in that. Yeah, in so many regards within friendships, work situations, families, Mm -hmm. any situation, that authenticity is what really connects us and allows us to do so much more good than just trying to be the ideal all the time. I mean, we could chat a long time about that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit more about this phrase you keep saying. You keep saying, show up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just is really standing out to me because Mm -hmm. I think women are apologizing because like you said, they're apologizing for existing, for taking up Mm -hmm. space. So what can these women do to show up better for themselves and including showing up as a mess and still standing firm and in this confidence that they need to have innately that they still matter? Yeah, it's a really good question. I do use that phrase a lot, show up, um, because I think what I like to try to you know, really help people to see is that sometimes we are talking about major changes in behavior. Like we may be talking about stopping saying the words, I'm so sorry all the time, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's really even just a subtle shift in your tone and your body language. Sometimes it's maybe now doing something that you otherwise just wouldn't do. It's not, it's stopping the cycle of avoiding certain things. So showing up to me is is like so much more than just the things that we do. It's who we are and the energy and the emotion that we bring behind what we're doing. And to your point, this apologizing for our existence or apologizing, even if it's an internal, um, like you said, sometimes it's internal um, dialogue where we are apologetic or believing there's something wrong with us. What I like to try to show my clients is that we all do have many flaws, right? We Mm. do all have areas where we fall short of what we want to do or where we make quote unquote mistakes, but none of that makes us any less valuable and amazing. Every single human being on the planet is 100% whole, 100% complete, 100% worthy of love. So rather than, because here's what I, I tend to see happen even in my own brain, is when I make a mistake, like this is an example I use a lot. 
is I was speaking in church once with my husband and I hadn't prepared very thoroughly for my talk. And when I don't prepare well, what happens is I go long because I could talk all day long. Yeah. I love (laughs) that. Yeah. And so I spoke too long. And so they basically said, okay, we're going to have Jake speak another week because we're out of time. And I was so embarrassed. Oh yeah. I just felt ridiculous and I felt bad because my husband was so nervous, you know, about his Mm. talk and everything. And I remember my brain trying to reconcile what had happened and try to get out of the shame I was feeling. And at first, what I noticed I tried to do is make myself not wrong. I was like, oh, well, they Uh had too many youth speakers and there were so many announcements and then they had to arrest him and that went too long. And I tried to like convince myself that I hadn't quote unquote messed up. Right. Mm -hmm. And after I watched myself do that for a minute, I decided, no, I'm just going to own that. I spoke too long. I I spoke longer than I was supposed to. I didn't prepare thoroughly, And that's the reason why. But then the next step is, and that's okay. Right. It doesn't make me any less amazing of a person. It doesn't make me any less worthy of love, even if somebody judges me for it. And who knows if they are or not? Usually people don't even really care. But let's say somebody does. Right. Even if somebody's judging me for it, none of that makes me any less good or whole. So rather than try to reconcile, oh, I, it's okay. I'm justified for these mistakes. I like to just own, I make mistakes sometimes much worse than that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But none of it means that I'm any less whole and amazing. I'm still 100% valuable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, so that is kind of life changing when you try that on. How how does someone try that on for size then? I mean, <laughs> I imagine this takes a ton of practice and paying attention to the dialogue going on in your head. But let's break that down for people who are like, okay, I, I get it, but how? Like, how do I stop yeah. that? You know, yeah, it's a good track. Mm-hmm. It does take practice. It's it's um, what I do with my clients and my program is either coach them or just them listening to other people getting coached even helps you start to see it. But to kind of give people a place to begin, like a head start, what I recommend is that you first have to recognize that the way you think about yourself in this situation or anything else, but the way you think about yourself is optional and that you can choose how you're going to think about yourself. So your brain will naturally try to give you thoughts. Like it's, I call it your brain on default, your brain unsupervised. So the analogy I've been thinking about lately is I have a almost three-year-old daughter who rides one of those little red tricycles that has the big 
handle on the back so I can yeah. hold on to it and push her yeah. and steer her, right? Mm -hmm. So she can pedal and she can steer, but I'm holding on to the handle. So I was thinking the other day, she's like my brain. Like she does okay, but then every now and then she turns and wants to go this crazy direction and I have to kind of grab the handle and turn it back and keep her on the sidewalk. And that's how I think about my brain. Like it does okay a lot of the times, but then sometimes it wants to take a right turn and go to the land of something's wrong with me and I should be embarrassed and I should feel ashamed and um, other people might be judging me and all of that. And I just have to gently like, no, 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 we're not going that way today. We're going to stay up here on the sidewalk and kind of bring it back around to nothing is the matter with me even though I have many things that I want to quote unquote improve about myself, none of that's going to make me any more valuable. I'm already as valuable as I need to be. So it's really being able to watch your thoughts and recognize that they're only thoughts and gently kind of redirect them back. I don't know if that makes sense. That totally does. I love that analogy because I have one of those too. <laughs> so yeah. I know what it's like <laughs> to stir that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of seeing two, two things here. There's this, these times where we truly do not need to apologize for taking up space. And then right. there are these times that we do have some hard emotions that are acting as signs and signals, hey, something does need to change here. But with mm -hmm. either one of them, I, I still hear you saying you are still worthwhile and you are still valuable. And holding firm to that will give you the foundation you need to be able to navigate either of those situations a little bit better. Um, so that means yeah. like truly apologizing when you need to, but moving on and forward and also not apologizing when you don't need to and moving mm -hmm. on. Totally. I think you're exactly right about that. And, um, you know, what I hear you describing is kind of the difference between guilt and shame, mm. which again, this is kind of something I learned from Brene Brown, which is guilt can be useful because guilt is, oh, my behavior isn't in line with my values. So I either need to change my values or change my behavior until they are in line. And so we're going to feel that cognitive dissonance if we're, if we've, like if I steal something from the store, I'm going to feel guilty and I want to feel guilty because I want to keep my value of integrity and honesty and I want to recognize that my behavior didn't line up and I want to correct that, right? Yes. But, sh and so guilt, uh, according to Brene Brown, can actually be useful. The problem is mostly when I coach people, they go from guilt to shame pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Like um, something's wrong with me because I made that mistake or because I wasn't living in alignment with my values or because uh, other, pe of other people's opinions of me or whatever their reason. And so shame is actually really not useful. And according to her research, shame is what leads to eating disorders and depression and suicide and all kinds of other problems actually come from shame. So it, like, just like you said, Monica, the healthiest thing is to recognize, oh, okay, I did something that's not in alignment with my values. I want to make a change. I want to correct that. I want to get better in that way. But it also doesn't make anything wrong with me. It makes mm -hmm. me a human being who's not perfect. Yeah. So giving yourself a lot of compassion, I think is yes. a big key to this all. For so sure. let's talk about perhaps when someone is apologizing as a way to avoid what, <laughs> what is really needing some fixing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of thinking of this scenario I had, uh, I used to teach piano and okay. one of my students kept forgetting the lesson and mm. um, 
and you know, I just had the conversation with, with this client, you know, I, I, I just need you to make sure you let me know when you can't attend because I, you know, made sure I was home instead of doing something with my family that time. And, and her response was, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm. And it was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, but I know I have done that same thing when you're, mm-hmm. when you're apologizing as a way of saying, no, I'm not going, yeah. I'm not willing to see that in myself. And whether or not we do that audibly with others, um, when we're apologizing, but we're not really willing to go there within ourselves, what mm-hmm. is that all about? Is, is it the same thing? Well, it's kind of interesting when you first brought that up, it reminded me of when I was younger and my siblings or I would, you know, maybe fight or do something we weren't supposed to do. And I remember saying to my mom, well, I'm sorry. And she was like, well, sorry, not going to cut it. <laughs> like, yeah. sorry, can become <laughs> that excuse, like to your point for not examining, um, our own selves. I think it, it's tricky though, because, um, one of the things I do teach is that we're not responsible for other people's opinions and emotions. So, um, you know, on the one hand, I don't want to say that, um, we should be necessarily always accommodating what other people want, but to your point, I'm sorry, can just be an avoidance, um, Mm -hmm. an avoiding thought, if you will. Right. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's important to, um, to, to just consider like, is this behavior that I want to correct? And is this the way I want to show up to your point? Again, my favorite phrase of showing up, I really Mm -hmm. like people to think about who do I want to be in the world? And I love that quote that the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So if I'm the kind of person that just uses, I'm sorry, as an excuse to not fully show up. I probably do that in a lot of, not just at my piano lesson. I probably do it in a lot of other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely worth questioning. Like, is that a thought that's just not serving me because it's helping me avoid whatever's going on? That is so brilliant. Well, you are amazing at turning things on their head. I learned so much from Mm -hmm. you each time. Before I ask you my final question, where can people find you? Because I know everybody knows who you are and what you offer, but just in case there's that one person. Oh, thank you so much. Well, the, probably the easiest place is just to go to my website. It's jodymore.com and that's Jody with a Y. Um, there is a link on there to some free resources. So there's yeah. um, lots of free stuff available for anybody that wants a little bit more. Or you can always check out, of course, my podcast, Better Than Happy. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all of that if you want to find me there. But probably my website or the podcast would be the easiest place to start. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of surprise you with this question. So I, I hope I don't, t- you know, catch you too off guard, but I'd like to ask my guests what they have learned about themselves the past few years. And this can be, you know, a character trait you discovered in yourself or a hidden talent, or this can be something kind of more serious, but what have mm-hmm. you learned the last few years about you? Oh gosh, that's such a great question. I've been really immersed in doing my own self-coaching for the last few years, but especially the last year as I'm in a master coach training program. And so we're really like going deep in our self-coaching. One of the biggest insights that I had this past year was, um, 
you know, when I look back at mistakes that I've made, so it kind of goes along with the topic. I look back at mistakes that I've made and I used to tell myself, well, I learned from those things and I'm not that person anymore. But what I discovered is that that seemed like a loving, useful place for me to be. But as I really explored it deeper, I realized that it's kind of a, a rejection of a version of me, right? And there's a, a kind of a voice within me that's like, but what if I am her? Or at least some parts of her are still me for sure. And I really did some work with my coach this year where I came to terms with, I am still her and that's okay. And I can still be her and not make the mistakes I made in the past, but I can just love her and love, like truly loving all the parts of me, not having to work on being less selfish, but just to own that sometimes I'm selfish and I love me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds so counterintuitive, right? Because of course I want to be less selfish, but I'm telling you, like just owning and embracing all of it has caused me to stop resisting and stop holding on to things and just really genuinely helped me become a better person in the world. There's so much there about uh, that, which you resist persists. I have learned that a ton too about myself. So that's so interesting that you know well, and you've been you probably you've been doing how long have you been doing this podcast it, it will be two years in November yeah that's enough. awesome yeah. so I'm sure I don't know about you but every now and then I get some comments from people that don't love what I'm saying yeah no I do too <laughs> yeah. That's a, isn't that, it's such a great opportunity to mm-hmm. stop and take a look. And I used to want to get defensive and defend myself, right? If somebody yeah. said, you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. And now I just embrace like, maybe they're right. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about and that's okay. And I'm still going to keep doing the work I'm doing. And it doesn't mean that I should stop and it doesn't mean anything's wrong with me. So, you know, Byron Katie teaches that defense is the first act of war. And yes. I wasn't always defensive you know, there's, I don't get a lot of, of negative comments. It was more like I was at war with myself, I think most Mm -hmm. often. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I stopped getting defensive and I just owned like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a mess in a lot of ways and it's okay. I'm telling you, it freed me up to just focus on what I want to be doing in the world and to still, to to still work on improving myself. Uh, But it's just such a freeing place to get to. So anyway. Wow. Well, I really can't say more to that. <laughs> that will make it any better. <laughs> Jody. you are so wonderful. Thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you for having me, Monica. It was my pleasure. Jody is the real deal, folks. She's the same woman you hear on her podcast and on her coaching calls if you are in her group there, which I highly recommend. And that's just to say she's like your wise bestie who will lovingly tell you the truth and is a lot of fun to be around. I really enjoyed doing that with her. Do me a favor, share this with a person in your life who needs help in this area. And when you do so, try to not apologize, right? And if you do share about this episode on social media, make sure to tag me at About Progress so I can get to know you better. I love building a real community and you are definitely a part of that. Side note to our topic today, how to stop apologizing. Uh, Soon after I pitched the subject to Jody 
Rachel Hollis announced her upcoming book will be on the same topic. <laughs> and I just laughed because this is totally that big magic stuff. If you don't know Rachel Hollis, I would totally follow her. She has a book called uh, Girl, Wash Your Face, and she's amazing. So we're in good company here. If you are here for the first time, a special welcome. My goal is to give recovering perfectionists a hug and a kick in the pants at the same time. So please subscribe and keep coming back each Wednesday and dig into my archives. There's a lot of goodness there. My goal is to reach a half a million downloads by November and we are well on our way into the 400s now. So please share the show and listen to past episodes that you might've missed. And if you like what you hear, also help me get to my goal of 500 ratings and reviews by November and leave me one. It's really easy to do if you have an iPhone, just do it from your app or you can do it from your desktop on iTunes. Thank you so much for being here and making this all possible. I love what I do and this is just my favorite thing to sit down here and chat with you. I'll be back next Wednesday with an interview with Ashton from That Macro Mom Life on Instagram. She is a force so wise and I really, really enjoyed talking to her. I'll see you next week and until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.